Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Sights on Sinnoh, the Diamond and Pearl anime podcast, as we venture forth towards the release of Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, coming out later this year. And with me today is Karina, and we have exciting news to share with you. At the time of this recording, we now have more information on not just Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl, but also Legends of Arceus and when that game is coming out finally. Uh, very exciting. I feel like we've been waiting for this announcement since since they first announced the games. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah, I do not know when they are coming out, so please enlighten me, Will. Yeah, so it looks like November 19th, 2021 is when we'll get Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. And then Legends of Arceus, which I believe is the correct pronunciation, comes out just two months later, January 28th of 2022. I was expecting like March, maybe like March, mm -hmm. April 2022. So, Same. Um, yeah. wow. It's very close. And I don't know how to feel about that. To me, it seems like that means they might be linked. Because Do you think even game? though they're being made by different companies? I feel like there will be something maybe connected between them. Yeah, because the, to have two Pokemon games so close seems very odd. Like, either that, or they think that one is going to appeal to a totally different audience, so they're fine having them so close together where they might even compete with each other. I don't really know what to think. I feel like we know so little about um, mm -hmm. Legends, especially, that it's kind of hard hard to speculate about what might be going on behind the scenes there. Yeah, we have... Um, we only have box art, really, for this. So there's nothing there, really, to, to give us more information today. Um, but, yeah, in case you were listening in, this will kind of date this recording a bit. But... Overall, I'm excited. The art looks great. I think the Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl box art in particular is an improvement over Sword and Shield, which were kind of just like legendary Pokemon and then white background. Sure. I, um, again, have not really looked into any of this news since it was okay, okay. announced this morning, but I think I did see like maybe Joe Serebi or somebody tweeted like Dialga's uh, detail on the art that looked Ooh. very... Uh, detailed, I guess. Um, but yeah. yeah, general consensus seems to be that it's it's looking real good. Definitely, yeah. But yeah, to kind of go back to this episode of Sight on Sinnoh's focus, we're actually going to be diving into the second part of a four-part gym battle, basically. So get 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 your get your butts ready for this because this is a lot i did not remember when it was first going back to check out these episodes that this first gym battle took place over four different episodes and not not like may, maybe that can be construed as it's one single battle it's not but the whole arc of it is kind of spread across these consecutive episodes which i think is pretty cool actually for sure um so 
for the listeners, I, I watched all of these episodes. I watched like the last eight episodes or, or whenever my last episode on the podcast was um, with Will and with JM. And I didn't mean to sit down and watch all of them at once, but it just like <laughs> it was all just like building on each other. And, and this arc really did feel like kind of an extended an extended episode. So yes. we, we wrapped up like episode 18 and I was like ready to keep going. And JM was like, no, no, you're done. <laughs> you can stop now. It's over. You're good. You're 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 clear for your break. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, this is episode 17 and episode 18 of the Diamond and Pearl series, with episode 17 titled "Wild in the Streets," and the blurb reads: Continuing to recover from his Orberg City gym battle loss, Ash gets in plenty of training with Turtwig, Pikachu, and Apom. Dawn tries to convince Ash to send home for Pokemon that are strong against Rock types. But Ash is persistent on using the ones he currently has. Brock lends Ash through the Wudo to train against, and its rocket ability is immune to such moves such as Double Edge. Now, you, I, I think we were there watching episode 16 together, the one right before this. How did you feel about the way that this episode started as a follow up to that? Because that one ended in the defeat of Ash at the gym. And you just saw him there holding Pikachu with Paul walking away uh, as smug as ever. And now we're cutting to a training scene. It kind of sets up like the first half of this episode, I guess, where, mm -hmm. you know, we've just come off of this battle with Paul and Ash has seen him uh, take out Rourke's team with his like non-type advantage Pokemon and um, Ash is still very much caught up in thinking about this battle and thinking about like what happened um, in this battle that I just watched and also the battle that I just lost and like kind mm -hmm. of replaying and just like trying to address things retrospectively rather than thinking ahead of like how he should change to um, to like adapt to the the new situation, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. It really frames the mentality that Ash has as we just go directly from that battle into the training and immediately jump into this conversation, which I really like, where Dawn's like, hey, why don't you call home, home being Professor Oak's laboratory, and ask to have some of your old Pokemon sent to you? Because, like, in the games, you can do that. You can just go up to your PC and get something else. Oh, uh, you can even actually like maybe trade with yourself from a past game. But in the anime, I think this is one of the first times that this has come up for gym battles specifically. That someone suggests going and using your past Pokemon as a resource to take down a gym. What do you think about Dawn's suggestion there? Yeah, I um, I think it is the first time it is mentioned, at least in this season. Um, mm -hmm. I think it's kind of interesting, um, kind of in a broader sense, that in these two episodes, I think we really see Dawn come into her own mm -hmm. much more as a trainer and like mm -hmm. showcase that she is like getting a much better understanding of Pokemon and, and training and battling, even though she's not doing the gyms herself. And I feel like... Um, I feel like her suggesting that is kind of a step towards um, pointing out that she like can think for herself and like knows mm. knows what's up a little bit. Um, and I thought it was also kind of interesting that she was like, just borrow my Piplup. Yeah. Um, which, I, which kind of surprised me. Like I thought Don would be or at least like 
mm-hmm. understand that Ash would probably want to take down a gym with his own Pokemon. Um, so that was kind of an interesting suggestion coming from her. Right. I think I'm trying to think of Dawn's mentality here. I, in the simplest view of it, she's just trying to be helpful. And I wonder if she also just wants him to win so that he doesn't have to maybe feel the same, like the def- the added loss of not being able to do what Paul did in winning um, in winning that first gym battle. Totally. I think Don is just trying to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it seems like for sure. And I do like Ash's response there because he addresses A, yeah, he could do that. But he wants to do this using the team that he was encounter that he was already using for his battle. He doesn't want to, I guess, sideline them. Sideline them in a word where it's like, oh, you weren't good enough, but I'm gonna go get these other Pokemon. <laughs> I I think Ash is also showing that he's smart enough there to to realize, like, no, that's gonna hurt my friendship also with my Pokemon that I'm using. Yeah, for sure. Um, I I think a a running theme throughout this series is that Ash has like a lot of faith in his Pokemon, and he really believes in like taking the Pokemon you have and forging a bond with them, and like training training them to to be the best that they can, and like is very firm in the belief that no matter like where you start, um, you can mm-hmm. achieve great things. So I think this is very in in line with that. On top of that, he also points out that Paul didn't win using a a. Uh team of Pokemon that were necessarily good against rock types. There were actually two of them that he used that were bad, um, but he was still able to win anyway. So a lot of good layers in this opening conversation, I feel. Um, and also, I just want to point out a real cute moment where Boniri is clearly <laughs> still in love with Pikachu and like <laughs> goes up to Pikachu after training and is like, you are amazing. And I'm, assume- I'm assuming that's what he was saying. And Pika's like, ah. Uh. Uh, thanks, I guess, yeah. um, which was very cute to see. Pikachu's definitely still trying to figure out how to react to this Beniri's affection, but adorable nonetheless. Yeah, it's good. After this, we see the team split up with Dawn going back to the Pokemon Center and training on her own for a bit, which is where we learn about the next contest happening in Flor- Floraroma Town. Uh, so that's just a kind of teaser for that. And... Then we cut to the museum, the Orberg Museum, which has had a break-in, which ended up in their restoration machine being stolen. And this thing is enormous. It's like maybe three stories tall. Uh, it's like a cylinder thing that was apparently just yanked out of this facility. Um, but no other Pokemon were stolen until they realized that there was a Pokemon inside the machine, or a fossil specifically, that was being restored back into a Pokemon. And then this is when we learn that during the last episode when Team Rocket was touring this place, they decided to concoct a plan and steal this machine. Somehow, I still don't really understand how they did it without like anyone knowing. Very noticing. impressed that they managed to nick this thing. Like, yeah, I did not think that they were capable. It's massive, so I'm like, how how did you do this? But we find out that they have it, and they're planning to restore fossils and make their army of fossil Pokemon, which, you know, isn't the worst idea. Like, 
you're not stealing Pokemon, but you're using ancient Pokemon as your tools, and they're generally powerful and probably don't have like an attachment to any trainer because they're they're being like restored from thousands of years ago. So they might actually listen to you. Yeah, one of uh, Team Rocket's more competent plans, I would say. Yeah, though it does go a little wearier on the wayside because the fossil inside turns out to be an Aerodactyl and <laughs> immediately knocks back Jessie's Pokeball when it tries when she tries to catch it. Um, and then unleashes a move that we see a lot throughout this episode, which is Giga Impact. And <laughs> it takes a while for James to go through his, like, cards, which is kind of like the old school Pokedex, I imagine. Uh, and that's where he finds out what move it's using. And everyone... It's mentioned, like, three or four times throughout this episode. But this is the debut of the move in Gen 4, so I guess that's why they're... Kind of like, hey, this is a new move. It's a cool move. It's a powerful move. A kind of thing. Yeah, but... for sure. Um, and I'll also just say, when we get like that first shot of Eric Dactyl, like zoomed mm. in on his face, I was like, oh, shiny Charizard. But I was like, nope, nope, not <laughs> Aerodactyl. That is true. The head does look kind of off. Yeah, and it was like in the dark, so it looked kind of like black, dark gray. Um, so I had like a moment of confusion there, but no, just just Aerodactyl, no Charizard. That does remind me of the question. If they have this technology, why are they able to bring back ancient Pokemon, but not modern day Pokemon that have been deceased? Uh, Did that I'm come to mind? A, a fossil thing, you know, like mm. modern day Pokemon haven't been dead long enough to have fossils. Okay, that's like my my only lame explanation. <laughs> yeah, for why. I, and honestly, I couldn't tell you the difference between a fossil and just a regular skeleton, but I feel like there is one. So that might. Oh, be I'm sure there is one. I just don't know anything about it. <laughs> yeah, my paleontology days are behind me. Um. But then we again cut back to Ash training using uh, Brock Sudowoodo because specifically they're using Sudowoodo because Onyx, Rourke's Onyx at the gym, has the ability Rockhead, which negates recoil damage. And Sudowoodo also has that ability. So the mentality here is like this is going to be a similar experience to Onyx, which... I'm like, all right, that's like, that's a fine strategy. I don't think it's the best. I think the more sound logic is just, hey, this is another rock type, and it's going to be similar in terms of like attack and defense uh, that Rourke will be using at the gym. Yeah, again, I think it's this like for now, um, this overfocus on like exactly how the last battle went down and trying mm -hmm. to like address address this the specific issues that came up in that battle rather than thinking mm. um, more holistically about what yeah. the right strategy might be. Yeah, and, and that's also a cool moment where you see Ash thinking about that, how he's like, the Pokemon at the, gym, at the gym were fast and strong, and we're not going to win with just power alone, which I think is nice, where it's not just like the mentality of if we keep training and stronger, we'll win. It's more like we have to train but we also have to think smarter about how we approach this problem i mean you look at ash's team his pokemon have a cumulative height of like five feet <laughs> <laughs> 
So, I mean, he kind of has to go down that line of thinking. Yeah, and maybe not even, honestly. I think they're each, like, maybe... Yeah, like, he's trying to take down, his... like, this giant rock thing yes. with a mouse. Like, what did you think was going to happen, Ash? Yeah. I mean, he's done it before, but... That's true, but The Kranidos, I think, seems to be the main issue for him. Yeah. So, as they're trading... Uh, they find that O'Rourke actually is the one who finds them there and they're actually pretty supportive of Ash training and it's like oh yeah good job Ash like keep training don't train too hard but I I'm sure you'll be fine and I was like oh that's nice he's not being like like well I mean I, get, I expect him I guess to be mature but sometimes they'll portray gym leaders as a little more antagonistic so it's nice to have one that's more supportive yeah, and I also liked Rourke's moment of real talk here where he was like, hang on a minute, Ash, like, who are you battling? Like, why do you keep talking about Paul? Why are you thinking about Paul? Like, think about your own team and how you're going to battle. Um, and I feel like that was a good wake-up call for Ash. Totally. Uh, yeah, I think that being addressed is really nice, especially by someone who just battled Paul, so he also understands why Ash has it on the mind. Um, mm -hmm, yeah. so it's also really cool that he brought that up to him, which is good. Um, and again, this, okay, this episode has a lot of cuts back and forth, so apologies if that gets confusing. But we go back to Dawn training her Pokemon when Aerodactyl appears, and it just starts firing hyper beams all over the place. So I'm surprised already that this episode isn't called something Jurassic Park pun. But yeah. there's like a ton of Pokemon now going around because it actually went over near the museum and destroyed part of the greenhouse area where a lot of the other ancient Pokemon are kept. And that means they're free and roaming about. Uh, some people at the facility try to recall those Pokemon to their Pokeballs, but Aerodactyl gets in the way. And... It actually goes into, like, a full, like, lockdown of the city with Je Officer Jenny in a helicopter telling people to stay inside and they have a plan to get all these Pokemon over to the mines and they're going to contain them over there. What did you think about this wild scene? Uh, I, I feel like that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I I mean, I kind of like that they're treating it somewhat realistically. We're like, oh, there's like a wild animal on the loose. And it's also a dinosaur town. So everyone just like stay inside. Um, and we actually have a plan, which is kind of a cool thing. Because lots of times I feel like when there's some emergency event, they're all telling people like, stay calm. But then they don't tell them like, oh, this is what we're going to do to fix it. <laughs> They just, like, assume they're going to do it, but they never write out and say, like, oh, this is our, going to going to be our approach to this. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I, I also liked how in, in Jenny's announcement, she was like, everyone, we have to, like, evacuate because there yeah. are dinosaur Pokemon on the loose um, <laughs> and they are scaring people, which is why we should evacuate. And I was like, well, I mean... You're not wrong, but I don't think that's the primary reason we should all be, you know, like running. But sure, Jenny, you you go, girl. It's not the mortal danger. Or, 
you know, uh, or physical harm that might come to you. But, you know, we do care for your emotional well-being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Let that be said that. about Orberg law enforcement, I guess. Yeah. Um, but since we know that our heroes are at the mine with Rourke, uh, this is where we cut to as the Pokemon are being chased over there. And the scientists are there as well. So they meet up and Rourke devises a quick plan uh, to capture this Anorith and Kabutops specifically by having Sudobudo and Pikachu try to distract him from one side and Krandos come in on the other, which seems to work. But then Team Rocket comes out of nowhere with a new machine and immediately grabs all three of the fossil Pokemon. So they have that Anorith, or it's uh, Armaldo actually, sorry, not Anorith. Uh, Armaldo, Kabutops, and Rourke's Cranidos. So they're all now captured, and the machine that they have is actually pretty unique because generally lots of Team Rocket's machines, I say, are pretty generic, but this one is one that actually has a purpose because it's constructed around the fossil restoration machine so it's kind of like a mr potato head scenario where they're using the base of the machine as the body and then attaching all these other things on the side which i think is pretty cool yeah um so again i i haven't really watched any of the anime other than this season but in this season at least team rocket is always coming through with some crazy machine or other um and maybe it's because I haven't seen, like, their previous ones. But I feel like there have been mm. some pretty uh, wacky ones this season. Like, they had that robot mm. house thing. That was pretty crazy. <laughs> um, so, like, coming yeah. through with this, I think, was also kind of cool to see. Yes, both of them were in some way themed around what they were trying to do or accomplish, which I, I do appreciate. Yeah, So, sure. their plan's actually not going... Too bad until an Aerodactyl appears, the one that they <laughs> unleash themselves and causes a ruckus, makes them drop all the Pokemon. Um, and this is where the scientists are able to come in and capture them back. Um, but the Aerodactyl is still wild, so they don't have a Pokeball that they can return it to. And immediately goes in for a Giga Impact, which everyone again points out. And Brock is like, oh, that's a Giga Impact. Um, and Kranidos tries to block it, but keeps getting keeps getting pushed back, which ends up causing everyone to basically get <laughs> launched into the air, uh, and then Ash landing with Pikachu on the ground, and then Aerodactyl clearly hacking because Giga Impact is a two-turn move that it needs to make the user rest the second turn comes back in with a hyper beam and it looks like ash is dead at this point oh yeah i like how he doesn't even try to run he just like hunkers down with pikachu and is like this is it buddy <laughs> <laughs> nothing we could do here yep until until the moment where we see dawn just come in and save him with an ice beam from baneri and a bubble beam from piplup at the last second and it's like don't worry guys i'm here <laughs> Yes, this was awesome to see. Uh, 
Piplup coming in clutch with the bubble beam. Mm-hmm. And um, again, this is, I think, really the moment where we're like, wow, Dawn can do stuff for herself. Yeah. This is amazing. It's so refreshing to see because to me, Misty seems like the one companion that had the confidence, but for some reason was always downplayed in terms of her skill and ability. And then May was kind of on the opposite side where she didn't have the confidence and then sometimes would have like the the ability to step up and save the day. But Dawn here clearly has it down. She's not even at episode 20. She hasn't won her first contest. And it's like, I'm going to save these people from this dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, uh, and it's really fun. Um, Again, like not, we haven't really seen much of like coordinator mm. um like life and battles aside from those one or two episodes where we saw Dawn's first contest and it was really cool to see her like apply those in this situation and like have her cute little Pokemon doing their cute little like synchronized spins and pretty moves yeah. and stuff but also like totally tanking Aerodactyl in the process which was really fun to see. Exactly yes because that's what happens next is that she is waiting with her Pokemon as Aerodactyl goes in for a Giga Impact and tells them at the last second to spin, which causes them to avoid the attack by having like the momentum take them around the Aerodactyl on the other side. And then <laughs> Piplup joins Baniri in a bounce to take down and ground the Aerodactyl enough for the scientists to step in and capture it. So, yeah, I remember when we were watching that part, um, all three of us just like burst out laughing at that part, just seeing Piplup yeah. <laughs> and Baniri like stomping on the back of this Aerodactyl. Such a sight very, to see. Very similar to how she did it with the Glamio at the contest. Yes. The <laughs> it's like a massive dinosaur, so the scale is just next level. <laughs> Yeah, it was real good, though. And also, I'll just note, um, again, I, I watched these with, like, the, the closed captioning on, and I really enjoyed how when they're, like, soaring through the air and doing their spins, it's just, like, Piplup, pleased. And it's, like, yes, I think pleased is the correct emotion for, like, this little penguin flying through the air and trying to take down this this dinosaur. Yeah. It's just pleased, that... not even, like, intense or, like, you know, like... Focus. Effortful. It's just pleased. <laughs> right. It's It's a great little like climax but also kind of a comedic slash upbeat moment for them which i think is kind of a cool way to present the solution to this big problem that's like plaguing the city and everything yeah for sure it's fun um this means that they've captured all the fossil pokemon so all that's left is team rocket who still has the restoration machine in their possession then it starts to take off once they see all the Pokemon are captured and all that's left is Rourke's Kranidos, who I think says something like, hand over the machine losers. Like, he specifically says losers at some yeah, point. I didn't even pick that pick up on that. Yeah, and Team Rocket's mad. They're like, who does he think he is? <laughs> Which that's I think is funny. great. Yeah. He... Yeah, I do remember him being like, hand it over. And Rocket mm-hmm. is like, uh, no? <laughs> <laughs> They're very indignant about this, even though they're the the criminals. But it does lead to a chase as they try to go in reverse in their machine. Uh, And Kranidos uses Pursuit, I'm assuming, uh, which is a move we can learn, to try and catch up with them. But they are able to shoot a net at it and slow it down. But 
as it's immobilized, Rourke tries motivating it, telling him, You don't want to lose, right? And this is enough to encourage Krandos to evolve and use that to break out of the net as it becomes way too big to be captured. Uh, and that's the debut of Rampardos in the anime. I was kind of expecting this to be when Don steps in with the Pokédex, but that actually comes in later after all the crisis has been averted. Yeah, although Don was very quick with her Pokédex mm-hmm. um, back when the dinosaurs were all first released and there was an yeah. Aerodactyl, and she like, <laughs> as she's going down, like whips out the Pokédex and like gets her little blurb on Aerodactyl um, in the midst of all the chaos. So I guess she wasn't quite as on the ball this time. Yeah, I, I I think that might be because she's just in the middle of the battle. She's like, okay, well then I just I just you I just had my moment <laughs> with Piplup and yeah. Baniri, so I'm just gonna hold off on this. As Rampardo jumps over to Team Rocket after wait, was it? No, yeah, they it jumps over to Team Rocket and digs its like T-Rex hands on the side of the machine and pulls out the fossil restoration part of it. So they get the machine back, and then Team Rocket is basically just an empty shell in an empty shell of a robot. And Rampardos finishes them off with a Zen headbutt to save the day. So that's pretty much it there. Officer Jenny salutes Rampardos for its help, and then. Ash says immediately to Rourke, actually, okay, now I really want to challenge you. <laughs> now he's like, he's hyped up when he sees this Pokemon evolve, apparently. And Rourke accepts, saying that it'll be its debut battle as a Rampardos. And then the episode finishes with Don, or with Ash asking Don to help him train for a battle, which she agrees to. So Rampardos evolves and Ash is like, woo, this is so exciting. I'm so excited. And I'm like, I don't I don't think that's the correct (laughs) reaction, Ash, given that like it totally wiped the floor with you when it was still a Kranidos. So uh, Mm -hmm. good luck. But this um, isn't making it easier, man. You got to think this through. Yep. And also uh, at the end there, when when Jenny is like, woo, good job. and Brock is like going on Gaga no, over, yeah. over Jenny again. And this, like, I feel like a lot of the time Krogunk lets this get pretty far. But this time, like, Brock got one sentence in and Krogunk like poison jabbed him and dragged him away, which is still my favorite thing ever to see. Um, so that was fun. Yes. Uh, we, we get all the beats in this episode and it's done pretty well, I would say. I'm struggling what to give this. I want to say I would rate this episode maybe an eight. Uh, we're talking about Wild in the Streets episode 17. I think, like, I even forgot that, but you mentioned it, and I was like, oh yeah, that also happened. Because it's just packed, and it doesn't feel forced in a way, where it's like, oh, this is something on the side that they're doing. It's still related to the plot in, in like, an indirect way. But one that I think is kind of neat for development of not just Ash... But Dawn, too, in a pretty prominent way. I'm going to give this episode a nine. I really like this episode, Ooh, and it just had okay. lots of fun moments. Like, there was the Baneary Pikachu cuteness. There was the Kroagunk at the end. Um, there was, like, 
some independence from our characters and like some good development from Dawn and from Ash and also Piplup mm -hmm. saving the day with Baneary's help. But like, <laughs> really was the one carrying here, which I am always down for. So I, yeah, I really like this episode. Was there some uh, Piplup bias in there given its moment to no shine No Piplup here? bias. I am, <laughs> oh, okay. I am completely uh, unbiased third party here when it comes oh. to Piplup. Oh, okay, okay, perfect. Good to know. Good to know. <laughs> but yeah, overall, really strong episode. And not one that I would have expected to come right after the gym battle. And I think what I also like about it is that it really focuses on the main thing that Orberg City is known for, which is the mines and the fossil Pokemon. Um, so I think it accomplishes to still show off the city and town that it's based in a bit more than I was expecting, which I think is cool since we kind of leave Orberg City pretty quickly after this following episode. So getting this in there in a way that feels organic and ties the two together in terms of Ash's original gym battle and the rematch is a pretty good accomplishment, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Um, so does, does that bring us to the next episode? It sure does, which is called... Or the Rampardos we watched. <laughs> Basically, it's over the Rampardos we watched, but it's spelled in the way where it's like, oh. A, like, I just got that when you said it out loud. I get uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's very uh, close to over the Ramparts we watched, uh, which anyone who's sung the anthem might know. But I still don't even know what that means completely. But let's I'm go. Canadian, so I don't know Whoa. what y'all are on about. <laughs> okay, wait, where do you know that from? Over the ramparts we watched. Uh, I don't know. It just it just rings a bell. But also, okay. um, I like the the or like it sounds like Orberg. I don't know if that was yes. intentional. Oh, that's yeah. the pun. Yeah. <laughs> I just got that. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> We're there. Okay, that's weird because I've never seen over spelled that way, where it takes out the V and puts an apostrophe. But, I think it's like it's it's a thing in some old timey songs. Like I've definitely oh, seen it before, but yeah, maybe. Okay. Well, this episode, a teen's blurb reads: Ash may have lost his battle at the Orberg Gym, but he wants a rematch, and he's down at the Orberg Mine to train hard for round two. Oh, wait, is this the right episode? Yeah. Okay. Uh, his I'm hard work, there, doesn't it? Doesn't it start with him in the gym? It does. So let me see what what I'm reading. All that. Jeez, well, prepare. Lost. This is an error on the Bulbapedia. Gasp. Okay. Well. Interesting. Okay. Uh. So basically. Well, live blurb. Go. We're at the gym, and or and Ash is back for a rematch. That's literally the setup. And uh, then what? Yeah. Yeah, the uh, episode is the battle at the gym. Is the TLDR on that? Yes, which is nice. You, if you watched the last episode, you're all good. You 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 got it. <laughs> uh, it starts off with Rourke sending out an Onyx, and Pikachu starts off with a quick attack. And wait, wait, uh, wait! Before we start, yes, best moment oh, of the yes. entire series so far happens. Which should be in the blurb. Is, which is Dawn showing up in a cheerleader outfit with Piplup oh and Baneary with pom-poms. And they do a little cheer routine. And I died. And it was so good. 
Um, yeah, just just pick yes. up with pom poms is one of the best things I've ever seen in my life. And Baniri, which uh, which I think is adorable since it already has the fluff on its ears. Yeah, they were they were a very cute trio. Cheer Good routine attack. and then quick attack. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, Get this battle started. <laughs> it it starts off with a bag as Pikachu goes in for the quick attack and then climbs onto Onyx. Um, because it was planning to do that all along as Onyx goes for a slam. Uh, Onyx does manage to counter with a screech to get, try to get Pikachu to come off, but it does not work and starts trying to shake off Pikachu, but that gives it an opening to use Iron Tail, which is a super effective move against Onyx. Yeah, and just before we keep on going, I thought yeah. um, this setup was really interesting where Ash is like, okay, start with Quick Attack. And Rourke mm -hmm. is like, why are you using a normal move against yeah. my rock Pokemon? You're so mm -hmm. dumb. Um, <laughs> and Ash is like, just wait. And I thought that was kind of, um, it was reminiscent of Zoe, I think, using mm -hmm. Shadow Claw in like the coordinator battles where everyone's like, why is she using a ghost type move against a normal type Pokemon? And she's like, just you wait. So I feel like, um, yeah, there were a lot of moments in this battle. Slash, I think it was kind of like a theme of this battle where there are um, a lot of callbacks to what we have learned so far about contests and like coordinator moves. And I saw a lot of that coming out in this battle, which was fun to see. Yes, I interesting callback there. I'm glad you brought that up because I totally missed that. But that's definitely something that you discover as you go through is that both sides actually have, I guess, cloaked intentions with maybe how they attack. And Ash especially is doing some of the strategy work here with using moves that aren't super effective uh, to kind of get to his end goal here, which I think is neat. Um, a good climax of what we've seen so far, like with Zoe, which I would have never compared her to, but you're totally right there. So um, that happens. And then yeah. as you were saying, there's yes. the setup and then continue on with your blow by blow of this battle. Sure. <laughs> um so it goes in for the Iron Tail, and although Onyx tries to stop Pikachu with a Screech, it gets knocked out with an Iron Tail, and that's the first round. Pikachu does kind of get thrashed about a bit when it's hanging on to Onyx. It's clearly tired, so Ash calls it back. But overall, a nice, smooth start for the most part, where we see the debut of Ash's new technique here, which was borrowed from Dawn, and that's the spin technique. As it, cause, as it lets Pikachu kind of make up for the power difference by being able to still catch up in speed and effectively dodge moves that might otherwise hit it directly. Yeah, so again, I feel like this is um, coordinator moves in action in a mm -hmm. gym battle. Um, and we're really seeing, um, yeah, we're, we're really highlighting this, this different aspect of battling or this different approach where you can take this stuff that is like maybe originally developed to be aesthetic but can also be used very effectively in a gym battle exactly yeah there's a visual appeal to it but there's also a practical use to these moves which i think is kind of the pinnacle of a contest move especially in the, the battle phase and ash is using that to as much as of an effect here as it might be in the actual contest also before we we move to the next uh round there was that one point when onyx like gets a hit on pikachu and rourke is like ash do you really think like it, what what do you think i'm doing in between battles i don't just sit around and read comic books and yeah. I was like, yeah no can't relate <laughs> can't relate dude yeah i'm like uh well 
maybe you should, Rourke. Don't be, don't be a hater. <laughs> like, chill a bit. And then also, we also got another moment of Baneri love after Pika, Pikachu takes down Onyx, and Baneri is like, mm-hmm. so wowed by this, which was number one fan. Oh, yeah. One thing that I did forget to mention, though, is that Onyx uses a move that was used against uh, was used against Paul as well. Do you remember what move I might be talking about? Is it Head Smash? It is Stealth Rock. Oh, Stealth Rock. Yeah. Yes, which is a sneaky move that only damages Pokemon once they come onto the field. So if you switch out, you better be- get ready to take some damage there. And that's what happens as the Apom comes onto the field to face the Geodude. Now, there is also like a B-plot in this episode of Team Rocket trying to sneak into the gym and steal some powerful Pokemon. Um, using Meowth's claws to lockpick the door. But just to wrap that whole thing up already, uh, Krogunk somehow is, is outside its Pokeball with, with uh, Brock in the stands and detects that something's going on, so it goes to investigate. And this leads to a confrontation between Krogunk and Team Rocket where it just <laughs> it just intimidates them into walking back out of the building the same way they came in. Yeah, that's a weird thing to throw into this episode. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. if they just didn't think that there was, like, enough in the battle to carry the whole thing or what, but it was, like, super random. Like, I, I hardly even caught, like, why Team Rocket was, like around and then suddenly Krogunk is like in this hallway and I was like how did we yeah. get here why are we here like I want to see a monkey beat up a rock like take me back um but yeah <laughs> this is like kind of it just felt weirdly inserted into this episode I guess a, a mo- another little moment to show this weird Pokemon that has like some like f- funny moments but overall doesn't really contribute too much so that's what I kind of ra- want to just cover it really quickly there. That happens, and, uh, and then we can get back to Apom, right? <laughs> exactly. Star of the show here. What well, my favorite Pokemon, actually. Apom is taking on Geodude with a swift start, but Rollout counters it, counters it, and then uh, it does miss, but hits a boulder instead, giving Apom enough time to use double team. So Apom goes in for a focus punch, which is a super effective move against a a rock type but it's able to catch it in its hand in a cool shot with a pump in the air uh going in for the punch but not quite landing it uh and this leads to a really sad seismic toss on a pump from the geodude um as they soar into the air and crash back down which we haven't seen in a while actually because charizard is probably the most prominent user of seismic toss and Charizard did appear for a bit in Battle Frontier, but not since then. Yeah, I have never seen Charizard use the seismic toss, so I have no bar, but it, it was okay. a pretty sad-looking seismic toss, even <laughs> without a bar. Um, yeah, you'll see it in, if you keep watching the show, in, like, Kanto and Johto. They do this whole dramatic thing of, like, Charizard, <laughs> like, circling around the world in the <laughs> a symbolic way. So it's... <laughs> Yeah, um, but Apom is not out for the count yet. Um, yes, so Apom is not out yet as it's able to use another focus punch and take out the Geodude, uh, leaving 
Rourke with one Pokemon left and Ash with three. The two of them are probably at like 50% or less on health. But overall, pretty pretty effective start to the battle on Ash's part. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also one other Pikachu. Oh, wait, no, wait. We haven't gotten there yet. Sorry. Foreshadowing. There's another cool Pikachu. Foreshadowing. There we go. Now we have Apom taking on Rourke's best Pokemon, as noted by Bulbapedia. So got that right. <laughs> and that would be Rampardos. So Apom uses Swift, but it's... It's just not, it's like, it's, what's that supposed to do, Apom? Like, nothing happens there. Uh, and they, with a headbutt, knocks out Apom instantaneously, uh, letting Ash bring out Pikachu. But it's able to dodge Pikachu's Thunderbolt and then goes in for a Zen headbutt. And this might be the moment you were talking about, Karina, with Is this Pikachu. the moment where he somersaults over him? No, no, no. Okay, never mind. Not That's yet. <laughs> it's coming. Yes, it's coming. But Pikachu does try to spin and dodge it the same way that it was doing before with Onyx. But the area of this attack is too big and it still gets damaged. It kind of grazed on the side. Um, it's kind of showing that even though they have the strat together, it's not going to work all the time. Yeah, for sure. And it, it sets up the somersault that I'm really excited to get to because that was cool. So, yeah. Yes. Is it, well, is it Pikachu or Turtwig that does that? It's Pikachu that does it over it Rampardos. Because, like, Pikachu is spinning to try to dodge oh, the first yeah. attack. And then the next time he tries it, he, like, spins along a different axis. And everyone's like, whoa, he can, like, be <laughs> a somersault and it still works. It's yeah, you could spin multiple ways. Yeah, three dimensions. Uh, right. Uh, so as Pikachu goes in for a quick attack, uh, it tries to dodge. Or yeah, Rampardos is like going in for the headbutt, so Pikachu goes over, and as Karina's mentioning, starts spinning down, and is able to land an Iron Tail on it. Um, physical contact temporarily paralyzes Rampardos, but because and that's because Pikachu has static, much like Elekid. But here, the anime kind of does its own interpretation of Rampardos' ability, which is Mold Breaker. And it says that's able to nullify the status condition using that. And that gives Rampardos a chance to hit Pikachu with a Zen headbutt, making the battle one-to-one -one with Pikachu out, Apom out. All that Ash has left is Churchway against this Rampardos. Yep, ready for Turtwig to sweep here. Yes, <laughs> right? It's like, it's either Piplup or Turtwig if you have one of these two starters in the game. And that's what Ash has left. So Turtwig comes in and it rolls away from a headbutt from Rampardos and is trying to actually, like, it, it goes in for Somersault, which I thought was what Pikachu did, and rolls on Rampardos's back going down towards the tail but before it's able to um before it's able to get knocked off the tail uh it goes in for a bite and just grabs onto the rampardos's tail uh and then insane moment it. like turtwig yes. is so op oh my gosh just like th chomping down on this dinosaur and throwing it with its teeth hanging onto its tail and just like tossing <laughs> it across the room was yes. pretty bonkers it showed reptilian reptilian superiority in this moment 
maybe in this moment, but but not in general, you know. Yes, birds, because birds are still where it, where it's at. Piplup still has all my love. <laughs> well, Piplup's Pip, a bird, right? So just in terms of a dinosaur versus this turtle reptilian. Sure. Okay. <laughs> then we get a razor leaf from Churchwig, which should be a super effective move here, but Rampartus' flamethrower is able to block it, burn it away. Also, like, what the heck? <laughs> Rampartos has flamethrower, and yeah. also Rampartos is only now pulling out its flamethrower. Like, well, that it was did, it did have it as a Krandos, actually. Um, I did not notice. Yeah, okay. which I'm assuming Rourke taught it as a defense. Big brains from Rourke. Yeah, because it's like, well, I'm gonna face, I'm gonna face a grass type, most likely in this gym since I'm rock type. So here we go with the uh the counter to that which is fire which is so smart on his part but it does give ash an idea as he starts just telling turtwig to waste all his pp on this move of <laughs> razor leaf to yeah. basically cover the field in burnt leaves <laughs> because rampartos keeps blocking it and then all these burnt leaves are just kind of fluttering around i guess which yeah, and there's break. this moment where um, Ash is like, what should I do? And then he's like, mm -hmm. oh, I have this big brain strat. And he starts doing <laughs> it. And like the theme song starts playing again yeah. in the background, which I thought was <laughs> a weird choice. Like while we were watching this, I was like, do it. Do I have a different tab open? Like, are they playing the theme song again? <laughs> um, so that was like kind of weird. Like, I guess it kind of fits the vibe, but it was also just a strange choice of soundtrack, I feel like. Yes, it was very like stereotypical anime where it's like hero has a moment we play the theme song yeah so anyway the theme song and like the the diamond mm -hmm. and pearl rap is going on under all of these razor leaves yes and apparently that's enough to get churchway close to rampardos and as it goes in for a zen headbutt on the churchwig uh churchwig is able to get away from it and roll underneath its opponent and then hit it with a razor leaf, knocking it out. So it's also and, insane because he's like, yeah. wig, like jump or something. And then Rourke is like, oh, like you think you can get a or you're trying to get behind me. So he's like, Rampardos jump. And Turtwig is like, psych and slides under Rampardos and does like this sick spin and then hits it from mm -hmm. underneath, like right razor leafs right to the belly. And <laughs> it was like a big, big oof. Um, but <laughs> he won. Yes. Uh and that's the victory that Ash needs as they celebrate. And uh, he earns his first gym battle in a very just like quick way. I think they're running out of time here because they're like, all right, here's the gym battle yeah. or here's the gym badge. You're good to go. And yeah, that marks the end of this episode and Ash's first gym in the Cine League, which is the Cole badge. So what were your thoughts on this episode? Episode 18 of Diamond and Pearl. Or the over the Rampardos we watched. I like this episode. Um, again, I really like um, this showcasing of coordinator or like contest-like mm -hmm. moves in in battle. And I think a lot of these moves just looked really cool. Like all of the spins were fun to watch. Um, so yeah, I liked all of that. Um, I think I would give this episode uh, an eight and a half out of ten. Um, I still mm -hmm. really liked it, but I'm going to take off half a point for the random rocket subplot that was happening. <laughs> Which was like, what is going on? But like that aside, I think it was a fun battle to watch. So I gave the last episode an eight. I would probably give it. 
I'd probably give it an eight too, honestly, because the the previous episode did have a good amount of Team Rocket shenanigans, and sure, their their plan was good, but in some ways, it still took up I think more time than it needed to. And this one as well, because it had that that little subplot there, which I thought was like, yeah, you could you could leave this out and maybe focus a little more on the battle. Um, I'll probably put it on the same par, just for slightly different reasons, though. Fair. Also, going back to the random Krogunk Team Rocket subplot, there was a moment at the end where Brock turns to Krogunk and he's like, oh, like, wasn't that a great battle? And Krogunk's like, yep, mm-hmm, <laughs> I was totally here the whole time. And yes. it's like, did, did nobody notice Krogunk, like, gone being a hero? Like, no no one's gonna show nope. any love for this weird frog thing? Like, okay. Krogunk is the the hero that needs no credit. Yeah, I'm, I'm still waiting for his moment in the spotlight where he gets the recognition and love that he deserves. Yes, I I think that's a running theme. I don't remember if he actually does get that recognition, honestly. Oh, sad. But it's kind of the the fun of his character, I, I'd say. It's just like this Pokemon that's kind of an oddball, saving the day in its own little way. Yeah, for sure. This wraps up pretty much this episode of Sights on Sinnoh episode and sites on to know episode 10 thank you and yeah i think it's a pretty solid first gym battle arc usually like in terms of the first of these first four generations of the anime i think brock's is probably the one that's most iconic the second one i i don't even remember how ash how ash took down faulkner in johto Roxanne uh, in the Hoenn region seemed like a decent battle. That's where Ash actually picked up Iron Tail for his Pikachu because he needed a move that was good against rock types. But this one just has a really unique tone to it because we also see his rival take on this gym leader and we see how Ash recovers from his loss and then moves forward with it in his training and evolution to... um, to kind of conquer this challenge, which I think is a nice way of showing that he's an experienced trainer, but he still has a lot to learn and is going to adapt. He's not, he's not, he hasn't peaked as a trainer. He's not washed out. He still has a lot that can be improved on. For sure. Um, I have nothing to compare it to in terms of other gym mm-hmm. battle arcs, but um, I think there was a solid amount of like character development happening both on Ash's end and also mm-hmm. um, on Don's end, and then also really incorporating what's, I think, unique to this region in, in the contest and pulling that into the battle, battles too, I think was really interesting. Have you seen any... So this is this the first time you've seen a gym battle in the anime? I think I saw Ash get his first two or three badges in, in like, Kanto. Okay. Um, but he like hasn't actually earned any of them because all of those <laughs> badges in that in that first series he like just gets it th- for some other reason and ends up with the badge. So I haven't right. seen him like properly take down a gym leader yet. Yeah, uh, this is probably the, one of the most proper defeats I've seen, and also victories for the gym leader as he took down Ash. And an interesting piece of trivia here. Rourke's voice actor does come back in the anime, and he's voicing someone in the most current anime, actually. Who's that? It is someone else who does not like to lose. 
well, all right then. I guess we'll check back in like four seasons. <laughs> oh, no, no. And... <laughs> that was supposed to be the clue uh, because it's Leon. Oh, no, that's cool. Yeah, I uh, found this out from Manny in our last episode that the voice actor came back for this, which is awesome. Kind of interesting because I feel like Rourke has um, not monotone, but like monotone <laughs> you know he's like <laughs> relatively not in a bad way i feel like it's just his character that's like very like grounded and like collected which probably is in line with him being like a rock type trainer you mm. know um As and i feel like leon would would not be like that so that's cool yeah i i will say that some of his lines don't necessarily convince me that he's having a conversation with other characters sometimes it yeah. does kind of feel like he's maybe by himself which of course is how lots of voice acting is done but that might be the weakness that i see in this era of him um so it, i'm interested to now go and listen to the pokemon journey season and compare the two a little closer but yes this pretty much is the end here so Thanks, Karina, for joining, and I'm glad you got your first taste of a very epic first gym battle here. Yeah, thanks for having me on again. I had a lot of fun watching these episodes um, and, and talking about these last two. And also, thank you for assigning me the episode with Piplup and the pom-poms. So much love for that moment. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm glad you enjoyed that. I didn't think that would be your takeaway, but I'm, I'm glad it is. Definitely the highlight of these episodes of this whole season so far is Piplup and Pom Poms. It's pretty great. I will say they return. <laughs> that's amazing. That's my my little tidbit there for you to look forward for other episodes. Um, I do wonder where she got this outfit, but you know we'll, we'll figure that out later. Yeah, like didn't her mom <laughs> take all of her clothes out of her suitcase? Like where where did this cheerleading know. outfit come from? But yeah, I, I do feel like there's no pom poms everywhere, but who knows? Coordinators have their ways. True. So yeah, that is the end of this episode of Sights on Sinnoh, episode ten. And uh, Karina, where can people find you if they want to see your thoughts on other stuff or find you somewhere else on the internet? Uh, you can find me on the internet at Pengumon everywhere, uh, P-E-N-G-U-M-O-N. Perfect. All right. And thanks to everyone who listened in to Sights on Sinnoh, the anime podcast about Diamond and Pearl. Uh, and hopefully you're excited as we are for Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl now that we have this release date. Uh, we'll catch you later. Until next time. Bye. Bye.